Mescalero. As you probably know by now, you're listening to a podcast. We give a chance for some of the unique stories out there um, to be heard and, if anything, inspire our community. action welcome ladies and gentlemen to another episode of riding on the wall podcast i go by the name of chris frizzell we have blue shindo in the building and today we have a special returning guest everybody give it up for dwayne duffy how you doing dwayne thank you i'm doing awesome tonight how are y'all doing doing good that's right okay it's good to have you back on the show um and it's been about a year since we've had you so how do you feel um I feel uh, like again. I said, I, as I said earlier, I feel great. I'm. It's been a very busy, productive year since the last time we had a conversation. I think that during that time, we were, I was running for council, and you know, we were talking about a number of different ideas in which we want to, you know, push forward and objectives we would want to see accomplished. And so, it's been a year now, and so it's a good opportunity to sit here and talk about you know the accomplishments that have been made in that year, and of course. You know, there are some things that we haven't delivered on, which we, we are still planning on, but we just haven't gotten there yet. And yeah. and so, you know, definitely taking responsibility for some of those uh, failures or, you know, undeliverables. And of course, you want to always yeah. want to do better moving forward. And so, I you know, I'm definitely glad you're here. I'm glad to have the opportunity again to have this conversation and just, you know, what my outlook is on the future and you know what i would like to see accomplished as you know vice president if i'm you know definitely given that honor to be the vice president of the tribe and just being able to sit down with whoever the president is and lay out a true roadmap for for economic growth and you know bringing jobs onto the reservation because i think once you look at the whole economic growth aspects you're diversifying our job pool and you're creating jobs i think this gives our tribe as a whole more mm-hmm. opportunity to lift our tribal members up as one and move the tribe uh, the tribe forward as a whole um that's great Let, hold let's back up just a little bit we'll get into all that first off so the main uh priority of the tribe something i keep hearing tribal members come up is uh, transparency and every time they talk about transparency they say where are we at with live streaming council meetings can we um can you address that a little bit? And so then that's that's one of the things that, you know, I as a council member, I do take responsibility for uh, not delivering yet. Yeah. Um, you know, the money has been allocated. We just have to start ordering the equipment. And, you know, you know how procurement in the, pro- in, in the tribe goes. You have to get your three quotes. And then, of course, you go with um, it's not always necessarily the cheapest one, but the you know best value for the tribe. And um we just haven't been able not as a council or even within the administration working with the administration just haven't been able to get the equipment ordered that way we can start that process but it's something that i'm mindful about i know that uh council council uh plat is mindful about councilman delca is about uh mindful about you know the council as a whole we know that this is something uh that needs to get done and and we are we are gonna get it done and before the end of the years is you know my my goal um it's just you know when you have competing interests and you know there there are a number of different um 
you know, important things that are coming to the table. Uh, you know, each council member has, you know, their concerns in which they want to get addressed. And a lot of times these things, because they affect the tribe uh, greatly, you know, take precedence. And so we continue to start pushing things, you know, down our list with the live stream and being one of them. And again, you know, that's something I, I take responsibility for. It's something that I, that I, you know, campaign for that I want to still get done. And it's our it's going to be our drive to get that done before the new year. So that when the new council uh, comes in, uh, you know, it's already from day one. You That's know, great. you're going to hear the information. You're going to you're going to hear what's coming to the council table. You're going to, you know, just the, the myriad of interests that, you know, come to the table, what the council has to, you know, deal with on a not a, on a day to day basis, pretty much because. Yeah. Um, in a council itself, it's a it's a 24 hour, 365, mm -hmm. you know, seven days a week job. Um, you know, people will they'll message you through any number of, um, you know, uh, social networking apps or yeah. even call you, text you. And um, they just you know, there's there's concerns that they that they're bringing up. And um, it, it gets difficult because, you know, as a council member, you are really limited in your authority and what you can get done mm -hmm. um at the end of the day as a council member i don't have the authority to do anything unless we're at a legally called session of the council meeting i see and um when you're talking about employees issues concerns with you know directors or whoever that really has to be funneled through the executive branch of government and Correct. so if i went in and say i started you know you know, demanding questions, uh, demanding answers to questions, uh, demanding information, then I could put myself in a position then where I could be removed and, you know, Correct. acting outside uh, uh, of your authority as a council member. So it, it gets frustrating. There are things that, you know, come to the table and we will give strong, strong recommendations for the administration to follow up and please look into this and uh, you know, make some adjustments and, you know, bring that back to the council. But, you know, whether that, uh, you know, the president, vice president, or even the administrator, you know, take to heart that recommendation, you know, you can't just make them. Yeah. Uh, the last thing we want to do is be fighting at the table all the time, which we don't. I think we have, we had this past year, we had an awesome council. We were able to work together and um, debate issues at the table. And yeah, we weren't always eye to eye. Mm -hmm. We had we had some spirited debates, but we weren't. I, I know that the there was you know people out there. That all they do is fight at the table, which I didn't see that. You know, there was like I said, there was moments of spirited debate, but we were able to find common ground, middle ground, and move forward and just do what's best for the tribe. And so going forward, definitely going to improve the whole process of live streaming and ensuring that gets in place. Um, and I, I think that. A lot of people just want to know what goes on in council meeting. You know, what, what are we going on? And um, I know that we had a very productive general meeting. I believe it was in June. Yes. And we did present a, a lot of information. We get an up-to-date uh, standing of where our tribal finances, where, you know, our reserves are, where everything is. And, you know, that that that, that was the up-to-date picture at that point. And, um, you know, there are, uh, there are some items which I will talk to you here in a little bit about which we are starting to move the process of going forward on to one better protect the financial health of the tribe and two to grow our finances and so i'm excited about that i'm 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 definitely excited about what the tribe will get in return and you know how it's going to help uh you know put our tribe in a better and more secure position going forward um you know i know that 
we could do better in regards to sending out letters. But I think beyond letters, I think what would be more effective is we if we were doing at least once a quarter, having like a mini um, town hall per se. And mm-hmm. so the president and vice president just sit there with tribal members and answering questions, you know, have council there answer questions and, um, and, you know, just give the feedback to the people and, you know, get that constructive criticism from the people. That way you can, you know, yeah. do a better job and improve the way, uh, you know, you're, you're moving forward. And um, there are definitely things that we can do better to improve the transparency but i think once we start live streaming it's gonna you know it's gonna do a lot to allay you know the questions and the concerns and it just give a clear picture on you know how the table operates and you know how people interact with each other at that table definitely that's great for the listeners out there that um that don't know so you're on the council for the past year you're running for vice president uh, you uh, campaigned. You made it through the first round. Is there any particular questions or main concerns of a tribal member that you kept hearing more than others? So, you know, when it comes to the concerns of our tribal members right now, one of the big things is housing. You know, we just don't have enough housing to provide our tribal memberships with a home. The, I think the last estimate, we were like 450 homes short of meeting what our goals are. Um, the, the housing department has taken some steps under the uh, former housing director and you know we are going to see uh you know some people get new homes here pretty quick um the windy point two and to follow that up the windy point three uh housing projects and um there's also a windy point two scatter project where the department came in they were to provide it uh you know fifty thousand dollars down to purchase a new home and this wasn't just people who fell below the poverty line they also uh made a carve out for those who make more than the poverty line. These people who you, who are usually told, no, you can't do this. You, you can't apply for this. You make too much money. And so we're starting to finally see those homes start coming in and making them way to the scattered home sites. And of course, these individuals, uh, as part of participating in that program, they've agreed to take on a mortgage for 30 years. And so basically the tribe will be the mortgage company and they would just pay the housing department back. And so I think once we start to see those dollars grow, there'll probably be another round of similar funding to help other people who want to become those homeowners. There is also um, funding, like I said, with the Windy Point 3, where it's going to be another low income housing project, Mm -hmm. you know, up near the school. And um, unfortunately, with all the federal dollars that are coming through the HUD department, that's what it's really focused on is low income families. And so um, once we start to build our finances and develop new revenue streams, I think we as a tribe then have to sit down and lay out a strategic plan. OK, now how do we start providing homes for our middle class citizens? Uh, these people who have always been told, well, you make too much money. We can't help you. But, uh, you know, with the rise in price in gas in food, electricity, everything like that, you know, we want to be able to provide some relief to these individuals to get them in a home and ensure that those uh, monthly mortgage payments are manageable to where they can still offer, you know, they live a comfortable life with their family. The yeah. last thing you want to do is, you know, put anybody in, in a poor house and, you know, dry up those funds because, you know, we, we are fully cognizant and aware of the rising cost of everything. And, uh, you know, we also know that we have to do our part as the tribal government then to, find ways to raise uh, income mm-hmm. and, you know, to raise that living standard. And so there are conversations happening right now at the table where, 
you know, one, we're going to create a path forward for new housing construction, not just for low income, but for middle class, but two, to start, uh, you know, implementing a new pay scale and, you know, implementing a pay raise and bringing people up into market because the last thing we want to do is start losing good employees who have gone to school, who got educated and come back to the tribe, but, you know, they're definitely worth more than what we're paying them. And so you don't want to lose them to outside companies, you know, uh, off the reservation, because then, you know, we we need that talent here. We need that education here. All of us working together, you know, to build this tribe. And so we have to be competitive with with our pay to our our tribal members, to all of our employees within the enterprise with, you know, on the tribe side. Um, you know, another concern, as we just talked about briefly is the transparency people do want to know what's going on they uh they they want to get down to the very uh you know basic you know what do you guys do how do you approve your agenda and you know what gets on, put on your agenda and i mean these you know just administrative stuff but they still want to know how these things operate and yeah and, and again like just to allay a lot of the concerns and um you know that feeling of there not being any transparency, I think the live streaming is going to do go a long way with allaying those concerns and, you know, really building that bridge and seeing so the tribal members can see how the council operates, how their tribal government operates. And, you know, it's my opinion that we just don't look at live streaming just for the council meetings. I think the committee meetings also need to be live streamed. And so they can see the conversations that are happening in, in committee because there are, everything has to pass through a committee before it gets to the council table. You know, it has to be, you know, whether it's through the natural resources, through the community services, through the programs, culture, uh, you know, the, the and the committees are uh, formed by council members, you know, up to three to three to five council members on each committee. And, you know, they'll they'll hear these things, um, these ideas, these concerns, and then they'll pass it up to the uh, council as a whole with either a recommendation to approve or a recommendation to oppose, depending on you know what the tribe's going to receive out of it and so i think the live streaming those committees and giving our tribal membership the opportunity to see how these committees operate i think that's also going to go a lot a long way again in allaying any concerns that you know things are being hidden there's there's um there's no information coming out of the tribe we don't know what's going on and so it's something that again that i still want to see get done that you know we are pushing forward to get done and the goal is before the end of the year to have that in place so that the new council, you know, they come in and they go. That's great. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, you, you hit on a lot of things that I was already going to want to talk about, um, especially I, mean, I don't want to make the whole podcast about um, you being on council because, you know, we got we got bigger news to talk about also. But you're, you know, you're, you're just um, telling us like a, a lot of like good tidbits of information. It, it moved kind of quick. Um, something that I just kind of realized, um, you're, you're speaking on, you know, you, you know a lot about like how the government's put together, how the mes how the Mescalero Apache tribe, how they run the structure of the government. And I think um, a lot of us are lacking, including myself, um, about like how the government works. And I think that's where people really have a lot of, um, I guess, like resentment towards like, we don't know anything, we don't hear anything. It's just, um, we don't understand a lot. You right. know, and we, we think you can do this stuff for us. Like you, you went into council and um, maybe people heard the podcast from before and they're like, that that's our hero right there. He's going to go fix it. And um, you, you touched on some things I wanted to ask about the when and the first time I was going to ask you how, how it worked when you got there. What was the teamwork like? How, how does it um, how hard is it to get something done? 
um, what 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 are the obstacles that you face? And you already mentioned, you know, it, it, you got to get everyone to agree. You can't just go in there. You got to you got to have these official meetings in place and stuff like that. Like all this information came out in, the, in that little tip. I don't want to slow you down and everything, but um, just to recap, on you, you said a lot and it was great. Um, but moving into kind of like what's coming up now, um, I think if we have more time, I want to come back and talk to you about a lot of the things um, that you mentioned. There, there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, but moving into the big news, um, you're, you're running for vice president. That's correct. And and uh, that, that that's a <laughs> you made it. You made it through the first round. Um, your opponent, Pam, uh, Pam Morgan. Yes. Um, how, how do you feel about um, your about what's coming on November 7th? So, um, you know, at this point, I think it could go either way. Um, you know, Pam and I, we, we have a good relationship. I've always gone along with her very well and, you know, vice versa. And there are things that we have bounced off of, uh, of each other, you know, concerns in the past about, you know, the way the government was operating, you know, just concerns about, you know, various departments. And so, you know, there's there's nothing negative that I would have to say about her as far as the election day. I think that. We are I think we both make very good candidates and I think it makes it gives our, uh, you know, puts our tribal citizens in a position of like, well, you know, I know both of these people. I know that they can do a good job. And so it, it makes their choice in voting for a particular candidate that much more difficult. And I think at the end of the day, um, you know, she has her experience. You know, she's been on council. She's been on been in, been in, been a judge. And, you know, I have my experience, not only on the reservation, but off the reservation. And I think that, uh, you know, my interaction with people and the way I'm able to when you sit down and you have a conversation that, you know, I'm I'm definitely free flowing. Any information that I have, I'm, I definitely bring that up and bring it across. Um, and in my experience, you know, everything that I'm able to uh, re rely upon it, you know, it, it has shown through this past year and it's I think it's great when you have tribal leaders who show up in Santa Fe to committee hearings to, you know, the legislature. And, you know, these these legislators are representatives, our senators. They know who you are. And, you know, right away, they're like, hey, how are you doing? It's good to see you. And you're not having to introduce yourself and build those new relationships. And, you know, we've done a lot to. Uh, foster existing relationships and we have built new relationships and so whenever again like when when we go places people know who mescaro is they know who the delegation is and you're not having to sit there and introduce yourself all over again and hoping people will remember it they they remember you and i've seen where other tribal tribal leaders they don't have that kind of recognition and you know uh, with the with the legislators or even with our congressional dele delegation and so the conversations, a lot of it is spent, you know, just getting to know one another and whatever. At least we can go in there uh, now and it's straight to business. And uh, we've built relationships with our congressional delegation, with our legislators, where we can have very frank conversations. And, you know, people don't walk away with hard feelings. You know, they know where we're coming from. They know, you know, why we say the things we say and uh, why it's important to us and so because we have that existing personal relationship there's no hard feelings there you know we're able to be speak very frankly um and so as when it comes to you know election day again it could go either way um and i will be happy either way um i i just know that as the uh, vice president working with whoever the president is going to be we'll we would be able to really strategically lay out a plan going forward with how we're going to you know, see uh, development within the tribe within the next two years. And I think that, 
uh, the president and the vice president, they, they lay, help play a huge role, very pivotal role in guiding that table on to, you know, what's going to be important, what we're going to strive for. And um, if you're just showing up to council meetings, there's no real real direction on what's trying to get accomplished. If you have an, you have a, an administration in place who they, they ran, they said what they said, but there's no plan to get it done. Then your your ship is listing all over the place, and you don't you know you just don't have the the direction the, the the true captain at the helm to get us to our destination where we need to be. And so, and I think that's that's what we've seen. I shouldn't say I think that's what it's true that that's what we've seen for a long time now is that you know there are grandiose ideas that come to the table, but there's never really any plan to get it get it done. There have been plans that have been approved at the table, but the tribe just never move forward with it because there's no one designated to okay i need you to start carrying this forward and get it done and kind of like acting as a project manager and i mean we recently hired a um you know a, a grants manager and a deputy grants manager who are starting to take a true accounting of all our arpa dollars and uh you know any grants that the tribe's going to have going forward that department's going to continue to get more you know important in the work that they're doing as we start to move forward because you know we can't do this on our own. We, you know, we're not in the position to where we can stand on our own two legs and be self-sufficient. Yeah, that day is coming, and we are going towards that day. We're marching towards that day, but we are still a few years out. And you know, earlier when I was when I talked about there are some great things that are at the table that we are starting to move forward on, and the tribe's going to see a lot of benefit. You know, that's what I'm talking about because that is job creation. That is energy independence. Those that is new revenue streams, and we have started that process now to start moving down that path. And we we collectively agree this is what we want to get done. And because of that, our tribal membership is going to benefit greatly. Nice. And so that's what I wanted to ask earlier. So with your with those uh, accomplishments are what you're trying to accomplish. What are you make if you come become vice president? What are you? Uh, what's your main focus? What are you most excited about that you want to start working on? So as I as I tell people, you know, if I am granted the honor to become the vice president of the tribe, I don't want to be just a, you know, token politician who, you know, just sits there, chills out and then steps in whenever the president is gone. No, I want to work. I want to be busy day in and day out to ensure that these priorities that are on our table, we are getting it done. That if we as an administration, we lay out a strategic plan on what we are going to get accomplished within you know, the first year that we are hitting those benchmarks that we are going to get that done. And so, you know, one of the things that I am I am really excited about, which I would love to play definitely a lead role in getting accomplished because, you know, we'll be there on a day to day basis handling all the administrative stuff is the um, tribe is going to is moving forward. The, the council is elected to move forward with the, uh, you know, solar generation uh, plant. You know, we want to be able to get net zero. And so part of this plan, the the first stage of it is we want to get our enterprises. So Casino Apache, the End of the Mountain Gods and Ski Apache, we want them to get net zero. Basically, we're going to wipe that, um, you know, that electricity bill out. And that will represent a savings of over three and a half million dollars for the tribe, if not more in electricity bills. The second stage of that, you know, we definitely we want to definitely expand that to our tribal membership to either cut electricity bills in half or to eliminate them completely. And, you know, this project is all about scaling up. 
and making sure that before we move to the next stage, that the first, you know, the stage that we're at, it's successful, that it's been implemented successfully and we're ready to move up. You can't just say, okay, we're going to do all this and then, you know, throw all your resources into it and hoping that it all works out. No, you, we have to scale up as we move along. And so once we get the homes taken care of, the next thing that, you know, we are looking at it is, uh, you know, selling excess power off the reservation, creating a new revenue stream. And then we also want to look at creating new manufacturing jobs. So we have this land in Alamogordo, it's 80 acres. And, um, you know, there is infrastructure down there. We, we, we lease that land, we pay, um, it's like over a thousand dollars a month for that lease, mm -hmm. but you know, we're not doing anything with it. So that's just, that's a, that's a, a drain on our finances. So we need to get our return on investment and so part of that is building manufacturing jobs, using utilizing that rail spur. And so with the company that we are moving forward with, we are, you know, we we want to be producing, you know, certain components of these solar arrays that will then start to, uh, you know, ship out across the country. Um, what's really good about the company that we are working with, um, it, you know, they are working in conjunction with members of the Democratic Party, you know, the higher echelons of the Democratic Party. And so there's support from, you know, the upper echelons of state government up into D.C. Yeah. Um, for this project, because if once we get this completed, um, and it's in place. Mescalero will be the first community and the first tribe in this country to be net zero. Wow. Meaning like, you know, we are producing our own power. We have that energy sovereignty. We're energy independent. And so I'm excited about that. They're, you know, that's awesome. They haven't, Mescalero is not the only tribe that they talk to, but Mescalero was pretty much the first tribe they talked to. And so there are other tribes out there who just have, you know, because they're so small, they just have, you know, billions of dollars sitting on hand. And they could just build this project today. But they gave us the guarantee, like, no, Mescalero is going to be the first. That's where we started the conversation. They are going to be the first. You're going to set the, the foundation for every other tribe to follow. And so that's what I'm excited about. It's going to put our tribe back on the map. It's going to put our tribe in a, in a national spotlight, in, 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 you know, the political spotlight and, you know, what we're trying to get accomplished here, because what we do with this project, it is going to, it's going to be the model to which not only other tribes are going to start to follow to bring energy yeah. sovereignty, energy independence to their reservations, but it's also going to be the model to get other tri other communities off the reservation to start looking at energy independence and, you know, helping Americans, uh, you know, with their electricity bills. Because when you have people who are sitting there having to pay $200 a month or more for electricity, that's $200 that they're not able to purchase groceries. Mm -hmm. They're not able to purchase vehicle fuel to get kids to school or get to their job. They're, that's $200 that, you know, you could be directing somewhere else rather than just an energy company. And so, uh, you know, I'm excited about that. I the the, uh, you know, possibilities of scaling that up and making it a major project and then the tribe becoming a major energy producer in this country is, it, you know, it's unlimited. Yeah. And so I'm excited about that. Those possibilities exist there. And and I'm glad that I can sit here and say that thanks to, you know, my connections, the people that I know within the Democratic Party, I was able to bring that to the council table. And, you know, we talked about it as a council and uh, and I'm glad that we got the support of the council to say, OK, yes, we're going to move forward with this. And wow. I mean, because I know when I realize 
just how much that's going to benefit our people in a good way. Um, you know, we've also have begun talks and, you know, one of the first things we want to do is start getting a, uh, bringing in a structural engineer. Hold to, on, before we talk about that, can I just, that's big for Mescalero. So for, can I put it kind of in tribal res layman terms? Sure. Um, so we're going to get solar. Your, your plan is to get solar panels to eliminate electricity. And then that land we're using in uh, Alamogordo, that land that the res owns, we're going to be, what we're going to build what there and sell what there to solar. So, so we uh, will um, build a manufacturing plant and, you know, we'll offer jobs to our, our tribal members to where then they're building components of the solar solar arrays. So whether it's the, um, the stands that they're sitting on or even like the motors to move mm -hmm. the arrays to track the sun, yeah. you know, the, it, it's different components of, of that particular array, which then we would export to, you know, other communities who are starting to use this technology. Wow. That's big for Mescalero. Oh, yeah. will, it, will it bring in as much revenue as a casino? You think? Um, initially, no. I think that initially our revenues will, you know, be a few million dollars a year. But mm -hmm. as we start to scale up the operation and really get the manufacturing off the ground and then we start working with other tribes and building up their operations, you know, then we can definitely get to a point where our revenue generation off of that particular project, it will be, you know, double what we are doing at the casino, That's maybe great. even triple. And I mean, again, if we're able to scale that up to a national level to where we become a power producer, then this is going to be the new gold mine for tribal tribal nations. That's it, awesome. it, it will eclipse what you are making in tribal gaming. That's I, awesome. I almost got confused. I yeah. thought um, you were going to turn um, or try to turn the reservation into like a solar energy like land, but we're going to make we're, we're trying to make money off of um, solar energy and the production of it. Right. Okay. And so we we are looking at setting an area of the reservation aside initially, you know, anywhere from 60 to uh, 70 acres for mm -hmm. this particular project, because that's mm -hmm. what it's going to take us to get our reservation to net zero. I think we need to produce somewhere around like 30 megawatts in order mm -hmm. for us to be net zero. That'll cover our enterprises and our homes. Mm -hmm. And so um, you know, there there are different sites that are being proposed that are relatively close to, uh, you know, the transfer stations. Um, but, you know, once that's built, once, you know, all the agreements in, are in place with the different uh, power companies and, you know, this is this project is moving forward. Again, the, the benefits to our people are just they're just going to be phenomenal. So um, we'll have some solar energy um, benefits as well. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. We're going to be the what do we be like the first customers and we'll just put no. Well, well it's it, so so we're the tribe. This the tribe owns this project from day one. So we're not doing like a the traditional public partnership to where, say, uh, you know, the a company will come in, they build it, they own it for 25 years and it becomes a tribe property. No, what they're doing is there is a renewable energy money within the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act. There's renewable, renewable energy money in a couple other pots, which, uh, you know, the company you're working with. Um, you know, they have a team of grant writers who are going to be applying for all those grants. So it's no mm. cost out of the tr from the tribe's pocket. You know, from day one, it's a tribe's tribe's property. In, mm. And so we don't we don't owe anybody. That was my next question. Yeah. Because so. yeah. we got into the first mess, you know, trying to make um, make the end better. You know, we took that loan and, um, you know, we're supposed to have it paid off. But now a pandemic happened, stuff like that. Right. right. And, you know, I was nervous about having to take out like another loan, but I, I see what you're saying, you know, getting those grants and everything is going to be real important and um, starting to out fresh because I did a little bit of um, research into solar energy when I was in school 
and a, a lot of like the drawback on it was that yeah, your payoff time to how much like uh to how long it would take to actually start seeing a profit it was like almost like it almost broke even on some cases so um like going forward one of the things that you know is a part of this contract is that um we are going to be bringing in a third party subcontractor and they will provide be providing like solar 101 community sessions with our tribal members and this is what solar is this is how effective these arrays are this is the uh type of you know wattage it's going to produce and so this is what your benefits going to look like this is what you're going to be able to uh, produce this is what you can sell and this is what the return on return mm. is and there so um it's not we're not to the point where you know it's just breaking even we are past that you right. they have such efficient arrays now mm -hmm. that the energy you are able to produce you can make profits off of that but it's like the average sale pull in like like 25 percent um, uh, like so like saying like if 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 the sun comes in hits a panel only like 25 percent of like the typical solar panel produces energy right i think that that was the standard <clears throat> like 10 years ago mm -hmm. 15 years ago now you're looking at that being over like 50 percent effective and so if you have panels who actually track the sun across the sky right so as soon as that sun comes up to it sets mm -hmm. you're producing power yeah and yeah. so each one of those cells they're they're very effective you know mm -hmm. and um, with the investments that have been made within, you know, under the Obama administration. And since then, you know, renewable energy, especially in solar power generation has come leaps and bounds. And those cells have become so much more effective. I love technology and talking about like the technology <laughs> aspect of it. Um, I think like back then uh, when I was reading like a lot of those studies, it was only like the best ones are getting 30% um, return on, on energy and to, you know, we're getting the, the best technology 50% and, that's great um you you humbly blew past like you know your your relations between that that made this stuff happen you know you're running for vice president and you know our job here is to kind of like bring out those highlights like that that's definitely something like we can't replace like if, if you're not in office like those relations don't happen that conversation didn't ever happen and and that's definitely something for you to be proud of like let, let's look back let's look in 20 years from now we're looking at a plant the reservation is making a ton of money you you did this with your conversations right i mean right don't be humble about I mean, it like that's a big <laughs> well I, and, and i do have to be humble about it because again like at the end of the day we as a council had to agree together to move forward and, right but and you know but thankfully i'm you know i know the right people and you know i have those those relationships and um and in order to make those relationships effective we have to be there we have to show up to the meetings we have to interact with them we have to have you know go to santa fe go to dc and and i and i understand that there are people who sit will sit there and say well you guys are traveling too much you you know you should be here i mean we could stay here in mescalero mm -hmm. and hope and pray that people come here to us mm -hmm. you know within their busy schedule but you know there are there have been councils who have done that in the past yeah and nothing happened you know right. there was no there was no progress made you know and then when you finally decide to show up to a meeting People are like, well, who are these guys? Yeah. So can you talk about one of those trips where you had to travel and you got something accomplished that you're proud of? So I, I think that a lot of the trips, well, I should say all of them, every single one that I've been on, we've always been able to bring something back, whether it's, you know, the strengthening of existing relationships or creating new relationships and then getting your your, your foot in the door to, you know, different um economic ventures that are sitting out there correct uh, you know just initial conversations and hopefully you know you want to carry those conversations keep them alive and then start pursuing some bigger projects 
but with our trips, especially like to Santa Fe, uh, you know, the council being very active, being up there and, excuse me, meeting with the legislators, you know, we were able to secure over $3 million return on investment for infrastructure projects here on this reservation. And, 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 you know, and it's just, it's just not that by getting up going to DC and lobbying our congressional delegation, they're, our funding requests that are currently making it through Congress. And, you know, we are we are praying and we're hoping that it'll carry all the way through. But if we get this money, it's going to help us build a new centralized Head Start building. Oh, wow. And that way you won't have two locations. You'll have a main centralized one uh, more than likely going to be near the school. But the buildings that they're currently in, they're dilapidated. They're old and mm-hmm. um, they definitely be, need to be replaced like 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And so yeah. we so going going to DC, um, meeting with our senators, meeting with our representatives in their offices, or you know at a fundraiser and having conversations and reiterating, you know what our priorities are, what our needs are. You know it, it, it sticks with them, it sticks with their staff. So then they start you know moving to get funding for these particular projects. And so um, you know when we go to go to the Reservation Economic Summit, this is a huge. Um, huge uh, summit that happens in Vegas, but the whole topic is economic development in in, Indian country. Mm -hmm. And so seeing what, say you take the Mohawks in, uh, you know, New York, seeing what they're doing up there with their gaming enterprises or, you know, uh, the other businesses that they have going on, Seminoles in Florida, and just having those conversations and how they were able to take, you know, something so small and then grow it into these multinational companies you know, eventually we want to get there as a tribe. We want to be able to, you know, be making that revenue and bringing it here to Mescalero. But, you know, we we can't just do that on our own and sit there and try to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. We need to work with other tribes. We need to work with industry leaders who know the process. And it makes it much easier for us to start going down this path towards even economic independence. And so by having those conversations and and learning how they were able to make it happen and, and you know accomplish the things that they accomplished that knowledge is to me is invaluable you know it it helps educate us as tribal leaders so that way when we do go to dc when we go to santa fe we can talk with authority we can talk because we know we understand and it helps us become better advocates for our tribe mm-hmm. and so you know when we go out there i mean one of the last trips i was on you know we went with the tribal historic preservation office to denver and you know i never realized just the work that they did you know the conversations that they were a part of but being up there and seeing what the museum in denver had in their storage you know we we saw a a a dress that a young woman used for a feast that was made in like the 1880s and just the beadwork and the care and love that went into that dress it was just it's it was immaculate and um you know the techniques that they used back then as opposed to now and you know there was some uh crowns from you know dance groups up there and you know just different artifacts but it, it really opened my eyes to how important that office is and the work that they are doing because mm-hmm. they are going out there they are documenting uh, you know all of these things that belong to our people these 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 treasures of our people that we don't want to lose we don't want it to end up you know across seas and in an auction house nothing like that eventually one day we want to be able to bring those items home repatriate them back to the tribe but you know we have to have a 
proper museum to store them in, to put them on display in. So ensuring that there's, you know, each one of these little um, display cases are independently climatically controlled. You know, you, you have to control the amount of moisture in the air. Like it's a whole process. And so we have to get all of this in, in place before we can start repatriating things like that. And, and so being on this trip and just seeing, you know, how, you know, all these treasures that belong to our people and what we need to do to protect them. And then, of course, get them back to the tribe. Now, there are other tribes out there who will sit there and say, oh, well, that belongs to us. That belongs to us. Like, no, let, let us show you that. Like, this is this is how why this is Mescalero. Yeah. This is why it's Chiricahuan. You know, we do have competing interests when it comes to the Chiricahua artifacts between Mescalero and the Fort Seal Apache. And um we want to make sure that when it comes to Cherokee artifacts, that there is a an appropriate division, so that you know the appropriate items are coming back to Mescalero, and you know they can have access to certain items. But we want, you know, to me, the language is here, the tradition is here, that needs to come here, and so uh, you know, just being there, looking at all the other Apache artifacts, because it was a it was a. Um, a group of different Apache tribes. Mm -hmm. They're they're tipples, and we were the only tribal council members, you know, tribe with tribal council members there. And again, it really opened up our eyes. And to hear these tip officers and saying, you know, I wish our tribal council saw this as a priority and they show up. Mm -hmm. I wish they were here to view these artifacts and just see, you know, the treasures that they are and how important it is is we have to to protect them and to be advocates for them and. And so that made me feel good. And it, like I said, it was it was awesome. I I, I really enjoyed that trip. I, I enjoyed the education I got on that trip. And it's made me a better advocate for that particular department. Now, you know, I would love to do that with all of our departments to go out and see, you know, uh, what they're doing on a national level and what's filtering back to Mescalero. But, uh, you know, our our schedules don't always permit that. You know, we, we are being dragged in a hundred different directions. And so trying to a, you know equitably divide your time between all these competing interests that becomes a challenge in itself because you don't want anybody to think that you know you you know you're just leaving them out that you don't care about them it's like okay if i have to be in santa fe to advocate you know protecting you know gaming in new mexico to the existing gaming operations and not allowing anybody else to come in and endanger that or going to a symposium for a department you know to me i would have to take the you know being in santa fe for that conversation would take precedence and so it's just dividing up your time like that and trying to be fair and equitable that's always the challenge you know yeah going, going back to um that that number one topic everybody brings up transparency i think it would help if we solve that issue i think it'll help you guys too we, you know um chris was talking about like some people say like why are you guys taking all these trips you know, but if we were to have like a lot more things live streamed and brought up and talked about and explained, and then people will probably understand and not not be so harsh or are critical if right. if they had more answers and stuff. You know, in these podcasts, I learned a lot and and um, talking with you guys, and I think this is pro this is part of you guys being transparent. Oh yeah, um, you guys have gotten a lot more comfortable and stuff on here, and 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 um, I really appreciate the honesty and stuff you guys bring now. Um, a lot of questions have been getting answered so far. And um, going back to like to structure this, um, you know, having conversations with you is always very interesting because you move fast. Oh yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> trying to um, trying to restructure everything that we talked about, I wanted to hit on like um, some other things. But you know, we already talked about it pretty much. You already discussed like a, a good chunk of it. Uh, we talked about transparency and housing and um, 
um, what what your biggest accomplishments are or, or, or what you're excited about. Um, we talked about you and your opponent and um, your relations and um, things like that. And uh, just trying to you know little, stay a little bit organized and move, moving yeah. forward. Um, do we have one more question? Well, before a, we... another big question that always comes up is about the Inland Gods. When is it going to be paid off uh, the the debt? And what's what's your plans for that? So I am I'm excited to say that we, when it comes to our debt at the Inland Mountain Gods, we are a hundred million dollars under a hundred million dollars now. Yeah. So I think right now we are sitting at approximately, if I remember correctly, like. 96 million dollars and so that debt should be paid off in the next three years if not sooner and so um right now with the way things are going we are hoping that within the next 30 to 45 days we are going to be able to issue you know basically the 90 day uh, notice to warner gaming and hopefully by early spring you know we won't warner gaming won't be on the reservation they won't wow. be at the property it'll be our people running our enterprise you know by themselves and which to me they've been doing that for the past i don't know how many years now yeah, yeah. i mean you, you you have these guys come in what once a month and you know they'll do do a, do a walk through the property start making their recommendations and you know what needs to get changed but you know i am happy to say that within within the spring uh you know we are going to be looking at a termination of Warner's contract and that relationship will then cease. Nice. And so I'm happy about that because we are going to be hitting our two to one ratio when it comes to our debt. So so basically, if the tribe's making forty five million dollars a year on, in EBITDA, you know, forty five million dollars times two is ninety million dollars. And so we'll be right around that part, you know, right around that target. So the two to one debt ratio, and of course, that's just going to drop and drop and drop. And so we are Again, we're approximately like three, three and a half years out from being debt free wow. when it comes to that particular debt there. I, I think that discussion right there solves a lot of criticism on Warner Gaming. Mm -hmm. You always see a lot of like negative criticism coming on, you know, your Facebook posts, things like that. And and when it comes to Warner Gaming, it's, it's never anything good. It's always just like an assumption or um, just like what somebody else, somebody repeating what someone else said about right, Warner right. Gaming. There's never any like facts to it. Getting ready, these guys just fixes everything. Right. You don't, no, have, you don't worry about that no more. I mean, and, and you know, we still have a part to play and we still have to stay on our A game, a game when it comes to the operations. You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't it doesn't mean that, okay, they're gone uh, and then everything changes. You know, you let that, your hair down now. You, you let your hair down. <laughs> you get lax. You, yeah. you cannot do that in that type of a in business environment. I mean, because at the end of the day, we have to ensure that we are providing the best uh, experience for our guests when they yes. come to the resort, because if, if if we don't have good customer service, we don't ha we're not delivering a good product. Our hotels uh, is not clean. It's you know if we're not taking pride in the work that's being done over there, then those guests don't want to return, and then they tell their friends, and their friends don't want to come back, and so we start losing clientele there. We start losing guests there. Well, our profits go down, and because that is our main, all our eggs are in that one basket then that means that's less money coming back to the tribe or tribal operations if we have less money that means people get furloughed we have a reduction in government uh, you know operations in you know government services and that's not what we don't want to see happen so it's important that you know once they're gone no the, you don't let your hair down you, you pull your boots up even further you get down to even working harder and allowing our guests to have that much better of an experience so that they come down we increase our profits mm -hmm. um 
the big thing that getting rid of Warner Gaming does for this tribe is, and for the Enterprise in particular, is it saves money. So that, that that's like $3 million a year that we're not having to pay somebody that can go back into the operations and, you know, that we can use, you know, whether it's in CapEx to, uh, you know, refurbish a room or bring new, uh, uh, new eateries to the, to the property itself or what have you. Cause there's, a, there are, uh, you know, ideas for expansion there to, you know, I improve the customer service, improve the quality of the experience. And of course, to improve the number of customers who can stay there on a nightly basis, you know, what do we have like 273 rooms yes but i mean when you're running at 90 percent or better average monthly on occupancy that's awesome you know that means that we do have to you know start looking at expansion and building more rooms because people like staying there mm -hmm. and so uh you know like i said it's, it's a savings for the tribe and it allows us to start looking at those things as possible as uh, you know realistic possibilities in the future that's great another big question that we always get is uh the language how are we going to save the apache language what are your plans for that so you know when when it comes to language and you know the one thing that i was always taught and i even hear from elders now is that it starts in the home and you know encouraging a mom dad to get their kids to go to the language classes to you know be to be more involved and i think they say in in order for somebody to become fluent they need roughly like two thousand hours of like straight immersion before they really start to pick it up and it becomes like their second language which this our, our apache language should be the first language but unfortunately you know everybody learns english before they learn apache and um I think it also is going to have to take us uh, bringing our elders together, everybody who wants to help with the pres language preservation, bringing them together, sitting them down. OK, what are your ideas? How can we, you know, uh, come together and lay down a a single path forward? Because there, you know, I'm not going to lie. There are competing interests right now when it comes to the language. And there are people who aren't happy with the current language program and the individuals working there and their efforts. You know, they there are people who are the, the opinion that need, more needs to be done. They need to be more interactive with our schools and offering more times for, you know, language instruction. And um, they are putting the they put the council in a position. It's like it's us or them, us or them. Mm -hmm. And it should never be that way. I think we need to sit down and again, as a collective group and like, OK, what is the plan going forward? How do we support one another to ensure that we are directing all the appropriate resources and funding to language preservation and how do we you know incentivize or encourage our tribal members to show up to these classes do we offer more classroom time but not just on particular days maybe every day uh in the in the evenings late evenings early mornings lunch times you know what is that going to look like and what is the interaction going to be with the school because even the school has their own group of language teachers mm. that you know don't really work with our language program and so there again, there are all these competing interests and how do we bring we, we I shouldn't say how, but we need to bring all these people together to sit them down. OK, collectively, how are we going to move forward? How are how are we going to, you know, save our language and in, in increase the number of speakers we have on the reservation? And I think that um, we as uh, those of us that are in tribal leadership, we play a role in it by also, uh, you know, spending the time being at those classes 
you know, showing up to the group sessions and showing that, okay, this is important to us. It needs to be important to you. And I think, uh, you know, we as council do have to take a step back and make sure that's a priority and that we are, that is part of our schedule on a, you know, weekly basis. And, and so I, you know, if you want to be a leader, you have to be a leader in all, you know, all these aspects. And so showing up to language classes, but I think we have to get a gra grasp on, okay, where are we going? Who's all going to be involved? What is this going to look like? Because there, there are too many competing interests right now, and and it's causing a lot of animosity, you know, amongst our tribal members, and it's causing an animosity towards tribal, uh, the tribal council. And you know, we do have an existing uh, department, and we are trying to prop them up and make them more effective. But when you just, you, you know, you have these outside interests who are like, no, they they need to be gone. We need somebody else in there. Okay, so how do we balance all these interests? And so we get stuck in the middle. And of course, because you don't choose a side necessarily, uh, you know, you're the bad guy. Mm. And so and mm -hmm. so that's the one thing that I have advocated for is like, you know, we need to we need to set everybody down. We need to have a conversation. Okay, how do we work together? How do we support one another to make, you know, the language preservation efforts on this tribe more effective? Yeah, because we all want the same thing. We're all just trying to save the language. Right. Yeah. Um. Any other big questions? No, I I usually try to see um, like what what your views on um, if you plan on maybe improving or um, taking a look at like education and travel oh, scholarships yeah. and things That's like that because um, you know I have you know some friends here and there that have been struggling struggling with um, you know them being told like they're going to get a certain amount and then um, a couple weeks into school or a month into school they still don't have their check and then all of a sudden they're told like hey I'm sorry you're just not going to get it like it seems to be kind of a, like a big deal. Well, I mean, and as, as council and I sit on the uh, community services uh, committee, which we uh, education and tribal education department comes to and gives reports to. And so these are um, issues that have been brought up. And, you know, a lot of this comes back to people applying too late, people not understanding what the um, do's and don'ts of the program are. So the way it's set up is that. Um, they they will the tribe will fund uh, give you a scholarship for associates for a single associates a single bachelor's a single master's or in a single doctorate so you have to move up in progression and so sometimes we see people who um, have been in school for ten years twelve years and they have switched their degrees so many times that they're like constantly starting over and so uh, they're trying to encourage people like once you choose your you know your degree path you need to stick to that and move out and so there, i know that there were some people who um were denied scholarship because they had multiple degree changes and you know they've been in school for quite a while and haven't you know received their degree yet and I, i've seen people who um were denied scholarship because they were too late and you know when you're holding everybody else who's uh, applying for a scholarship to a certain standard and then you start making exceptions it's not fair to you know those people who you know fall follow the rules who were submitting on time or it's not fair to people who went to school and um you know they stayed in one degree path they got the degree and, and you know you have people who are jumping around there's always different you know different reasons why people are were denied scholarship and when it, it takes you sitting down and like looking at all the pieces. I'm like, okay, this makes sense. Now there's been a couple of times when we've had to look at the director and like, wait a minute, you can't, you can't deny this person, you know, the scholarship because they 
with the way the uh, it's written, the rules are written, they didn't break anything here. And so there were instances where people were getting denied scholarship for the next term because they um, withdrew from one class. And but they finished out all their classes and and with the way the um, the language and the rules, the bylaws, uh, you know, reads that if they draw, if an individual withdraws from the entire semester, then they have to pay the tribe back and then they're not qualified for the next round of, uh, you know, scholarship funding. Basically, you're on a pause for a semester. And so having to have that conversation and clear it up with the education department, like if they withdraw from one class, that doesn't. You know, uh, that doesn't preclude them from the whole scholarship or getting scholarship for the next, uh, you know, the language says they have to withdraw from the whole semester and they didn't do that. And so there have been instances where we've had to come in and, you know, fix those type of errors and ensure that these people are, you know, getting their scholarship funds. And um, and then, of course, trying to educate everybody. You know, this is what the uh, resolution says when it uh, ordinance says when it comes to the tribal scholarship. These are the dates uh, when you need to apply, when you need to have all your information in, because, you know, I, I I was lucky that I was able to participate in the tribal scholarship program. And I knew that by a certain date, the application had to be in. By a certain date, my grades had to be sent down to, uh, my transcript had to be sent down to the tribal education office. And, you know, there was, you always had to keep this in mind. And it's just one of those things of, being a, being a responsible adult and knowing that you have to be able to reach, uh, you know, make these benchmarks in order to keep your education going. And, you know, you're not going to see a disruption in, um, you know, those tribal scholarships. And so I think that if we sit down with all of our students, like at the beginning of the year, say, here are the dates. Here's what the um, uh, it's the it's an ordinance, not the resolution. There's what the ordinance says. This is what you guys are required to follow. You know, X, Y, and Z, this is what expects what's expected you as a student, you know, one degree path, you know, uh, you don't be jumping around all over. I think that will allay a lot of the issues that we're seeing because there's there is definitely um, some misunderstanding on definitely. the way that program operates. And so I think working with the ed- education director, having those those meetings, whether it's, uh, you know, twice a year uh, or even more frequently than that, just to educate all of our students, this is what you have to expect going forward. It, and it may it may not even be that department that's like just like not maybe they're not being malicious. I, I'm sure they're they're not intentionally hurting people, but um, may, maybe um, they just don't know what it looks like through the eyes of the person going to the sc- going to school. Right. So having that maybe like even just put out a video. Here's the rules and here's the dates and here's what where you can't apply when you can't apply. And here's who's eligible. Here's who's not eligible. And just making like one video, just one simple ten minute video. And if this applies to you, here you go. You right, know, right, just right. now everyone's like, oh, okay. I probably can't apply this year because in like 2012, I tried going to school and I used some of it. So that means I probably only have like three years left. Like at least get the the wheel turning in their head, and and you know just bridging that gap. But um, that pretty much concludes most of like the big questions, right? Yeah, because a lot of the questions I was going to ask you already, you answered them. The, that's real good. Um, I guess because we're already going on an, almost an hour, mm-hmm. but to kind of wrap it up a little bit, uh, I, I'll just be simple and ask why, why do, are you the better candidate to be the vice president for 2024? So, you know, considering our conversation tonight and of course, just looking forward, I think that um, what sets me apart from my opponent again is my experience both on and off the reservation working within you know the higher echelons of state government 
but also, you know, my relationship and you know, the that I enjoy with our legislators, with our cabinet secretaries, with their deputy secretaries, with cabinet directors in the governor's office. And, you know, I, you know, I, I'm glad that whenever I see the governor, she knows exactly who I am. And she's she always stops and gives time that we can, you know, have a conversation. Um, you know, same thing with our congressional delegation. And and so it's not I'm always I, I'm not going to always have to be introducing myself to people. People know. You know, and like, OK, that's Dwayne. That's, you know, he's the secretary of the tribal council. He's from Mescalero. Like, what is, you know, let's go have a conversation with him. And and these people, these legislators, these people in government, they know that when they're around me, they can be their true selves. So that, um, again, that we can have very frank conversations and, you know, have a spirited debate together and we can walk away from the table still, still friends, you know, still, still uh, close professional colleagues and, that if there's something that comes up that is important to Mescler or concerning Mescler, I can still call on them and we can still have that conversation. And um, and that wasn't just built this past year. You know, that was something that has been built since 2012, since I was I served as a deputy secretary. And, you know, I main, maintained uh, my relationships with all these people. And yes, the, the one thing that I seen this year when we went to the legislature is that it's starting to turn. You know, it, it, It's changed because you have people who were elected 10 years ago who are now looking at retirement and, you know, looking at other things. And so, you know, being able to forge those new relationships because of existing relationships, that's awesome. You know, it gets it. It, it allows this tribe to have a foot in the door to many opportunities that are sitting at, sitting on the table. It allows us to be consulted, uh, you know, from the very beginning when it comes to policies or laws that might affect the tribe against you know, because we showed up, because we were actively, you know, participating in conversation. You know, this tribe has been instrumental in, you know, being at the forefront of drafting policy when it comes to, you know, the state land office and how they're in their their collaboration policy with tribes and you know what they are going to do when it when they start looking at applications for land swaps or for you know land sales, because we showed up and we were there. We had we got we got to be able to draft that policy for the state. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we there have been many times when we as a tribe have showed up and we are the only tribe with council members there and we've got to direct that conversation in our favor mm-hmm. and you know really get our points across and get our uh, our our needs and our priorities across and you know, so with that, uh, you know, being out there and you know having these conversations, knowing these people. You know, I not only serve as a, a tribal council member, I was lucky, lucky enough that, you know, with my contacts through the Democratic Party, I was able to be named to their state central committee of yeah. the Democratic Party. And, um, you know, we are going to host their pre-convention uh, meeting next spring. We're going to have over 800, 900 people here in at the end of the Mountain Gods. And these are going to be, you know, the chair of the Democratic Party, the governor. Um, the congressional delegation, all these people will be in Mescalero at this time. And, you know, it's a time for us to shine and highlight our tribe. The other thing that I, you know, uh, currently sit on is I'm the vice chair of the New Mexico Coalition of Gaming Tribes. And oh, so wow. we sit there and, you know, I, I sit with Governor Stuart Paisano from Sandia Pueblo, who's the chair. And, you know, we talk about, you know, our our casinos in New Mexico, you know, what is going on in a state that we need to be aware of that might negatively affect our operations or they might expand gaming off the reservations. You know, what do we have to be aware of? What what lawsuits are moving through on a federal level that could ha- impact our 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 
are are standing as sovereign nations and our right to game here on the reservation so yeah. we we are exposed to all this information and you know we have our input there and we also are able to call upon them in uh, to support mescalero in some of our initiatives that we're trying to get accomplished the other thing um the, another organization that I, I i get to sit on which I'm, I'm i'm excited about as well is um they call the native american civic engagement table and basically we this is where we talk about ensuring that our our tribal people are have access to voting mm -hmm. that we are protecting their voting rights and that we are expanding voting op uh, options and making it easier for them to get to the polls while you see an effort in other states across the country where they're making it hard especially uh, in communities of color they're making it hard for these people to get to the polls to cast their vote we we are we meet and you know we we discuss activities and how we are going to lobby the state to ensure that access to those polls exists and that we're not putting roadblocks for our tribal people so when we look at the last election when um representative gabe vasquez was elected i truly believe that mescalero had a huge role to play in his election mm. you know because he did take the time to come to mescalero you know they were they, they they had a cookout he was interacting with tribal members talking with him you know they were handing out hot dogs and some other stuff um but we also they also were able to register a lot of first-time voters in that event mm -hmm. who cast their vote for the first time for an election off the reservation and i think that's made it made a huge difference in making sure that gabe vasquez got elected and so we have to do better we, you know um as tribal citizens yes it, it's an, it's very important to be active to cast your vote during your tribal elections but it's also very important to cast your election your your votes in the elections for in the state and on the federal level mm -hmm. because we are we have to ensure that we are electing legislators who are going to work with the tribe who are going to support the tribe's interest and who are going to be advocates and ensure that you know we are getting capital outlay that we are getting junior money that we are you know that as new mexicans that we are still getting a service that is due to us as new mexicans and so and not just on a like again not just on the on a state level but we also the same thing with our congressional delegation we have to show them that we are being active participants in this democracy that we are casting our votes and that you know those votes matter they make yeah. a difference and so when when you know when we send people to washington dc as our representatives or senator we have to make sure that we are voting for people who are carrying mescalero's message to dc who will advocate for us and who will look out for the best interest of this shrine and the only way we can do that as tribal people is if we get registered to vote and we go vote wow i'm kind of guilty of that i only vote for um tribal election <laughs> myself so yeah i gotta change that but um so mo moving on we got about a week until the election right uh where there's been talks about having a debate on sunday coming up for the uh gabe and thora have agreed to it so we want to ask you would you be willing to to attend the debate uh on sunday of course i i i have no problem uh, you know being able to debate my credentials and you know my experience and you know what i want to see you know occur here in the reservation i i'm always up for that and, That's awesome. it's know, not final yet we got we still got to get the uh everything else approved but yeah we so we, we still need to ask pam as a matter of fact we need to reach out to pam to pam so but that's all 
that's great that we, you're we were still coming up with a location but I, i'm yeah. pretty sure it's going to happen even if we have to debate in front of the travel store <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out awesome okay. uh, you know i'm definitely looking forward to that i'm excited i think that that's that's one aspect of our tribal elections that would be would occur every year is that especially when you look at the positions for president vice president you know um i think that people need to see these candidates on stage just like we do on a national election need to be able to uh you know defend track records be able to debate their experience and then of course lay out a lay out a platform this is what we're trying to get accomplished this is who we're going to work with and you know such um you know when it comes to our elections do we you know what do people how do people cash their votes is always the question it's like is it because you're related to someone? Is it is it because of popularity, or, or are we looking at mm -hmm. people's experience? And you know, uh, I, I think that in order for our people to make the most informed decision when it comes to voting, they need to see their candidates in action. They need to see, you know, hear the ideas that these candidates are bringing forward. And you know, again, if you need to defend your track record as a tribal leader, you know, be able to defend that as well. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think looking at the live stream, it's going to be awesome because you're going to see uh, which council members are active, mm -hmm. which council members are bringing, you know, opportunities to the table and which me council members sit back and, you know, who rather than, uh, you know, find ways of compromise and moving forward that, you know, for lack of a better term, would just just they just want to be that thorn, you know, and yeah. uh, it's not it's it's not playing devil's advocate. It's not even being you know having it have voice of op op opposition it's just some people like to be difficult just to be difficult mm -hmm. um and so i think the live 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 stream will definitely be a, a another tool to ensure that our our voters voters are informed and making the best informed decisions when it comes to voting for individuals nice but yeah I, I mean a debate uh yeah, let's do it <laughs> sounds great is there anything else that you want to talk to the voters about that we might have missed um, I know that again, as Blue had pointed out, we I, I tend to move fast. That there's a lot of information, uh, you know, that I want to be able to get across. And uh, you know, the one thing that uh, I will say to the voters is that there there are things that you know we haven't done, which I take responsibility for. And you know, the live stream is one of them. Um, there are there are a number of things that we can continue to do better and you know moving forward but i think what, what i would ask people to under to understand and realize is that because we haven't accomplished that to date doesn't mean it's not going to happen that is still on the radar that we are still going to push forward that we are you know we are going to implement these changes and um you know that we are going to give them all the tools necessary uh, you know to see their government in action to see how it operates and see firsthand you know whether or not the council is being effective or not effective and whether or not uh, we need to make changes to our constitution and, uh, you know, or the way, you know, we elect candidates. And, uh, you know, I, I I am about that transparency. When people come up to me and they talk to me and they ask me questions, oh, what's going on with this or what's going on with that? I always take the time to sit there and I, and I talk to them about it, you know, and I, I let them know everything that is going on. And um, yes, I, I have sat there and I've had to apologize because, you know, maybe a decision didn't go go in favor of one of the constituents but you know ex being able to explain my position why i voted a certain way and why i didn't you know that's that's what i look forward to yes not everybody's going to be 
you know, happy with you. They're not, there, there are people who will be mad at you, who upset with you with the way you voted, but you know, at least I can sit there and still defend my position and get them to understand where I'm coming from. And so I, I enjoy those conversations. And, um, you know, right now there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of, um, personal and biased opinions that are going going around, not just about me, but, you know, other council members, other, uh, tribal members. And the one thing I will say is that, you know, your opinions about people should not be the results of what another person told you about an individual. You should be able to, you should be able to go talk to myself, to any one of the council members, talk to them directly, hear it from them, and then form an opinion after that. And I think for too often, we, we as individuals, you know, we'll hear somebody say, oh, I don't like that person for X, Y, and Z. And then you just buy into it mm-hmm. without really, you know, going here on the other side of the story and, uh, you know, having that conversation with an individual. And I was like, give not just your counsel, give your fellow tribal members that opportunity, sit down and have a conversation with them. And nine out of 10 times what's being said about them, what's uh, being spread about them is not true, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, or words were twisted or 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 they just they're they're you know an individual is just looking at it uh, just from one perspective and refusing to allow any you know opinion or any any other ideas to come forward it's just 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 one way and so talk to your talk to your tribal leaders you know engage in those conversations and then start making your you, you know your informed decision and opinions about the work that they are doing yeah um and i know a lot of that comes back to us as tribal leaders just because you know, we haven't been effective in our transparency and getting our message out. And again, once I think once the live stream kicks off the ground, that'll allay a lot of those concerns and people will be able to understand, OK, this is really how this person is at the table and the ideas that they're bringing bring in. This is what I support. Um, the other thing is that, you know, the whether I am elected to the vice presidency or not, you know, I still have a year on council. And so my effort and my work does not cease mm-hmm. after, you know, November 7th. Whatever the result is, I am going to continue to work hard to bring opportunity to the tribe, to bring new uh, economic development, new n- new job creation. I'm going to strive for energy independence, for economic independence of our people. You know, when you and, and people ask me, like, why is that important to you? It's important to me because rather than looking at the, the individual issues and trying to address individual issues one one at a time, and it's not fair. You know, sometimes you make a decision for an individual, it has negative ramifications on this side. Uh, you know, when you look at economic development, you look at the energy independence, economic in- independence, this lives, this lifts our entire tribal population up and moves them forward as one. Mm-hmm. So it's not just pockets, it's not individuals, it's all of us at, as one. And that's why it's important to me. That's why it means so much to me and why it's been a focus because if we can lift everybody at one time and move them forward, that's fair. There's equity and it you know everybody benefits. Mm-hmm. Um I don't I I I I don't want to sit here and do you know great things just for one individual or, or a small group of people. It has to be for our people straight across the board together. And what we have put in place, what we have laid out for this tribe, 
the success that is coming down the tube mm-hmm. is it's just unimaginable. The opportunities that are lay before us, they you know, they just they they abound. There there's so much that is going to be happening within the next five to ten years that we are going to see so much growth on this reservation, and it started this year. We they, they've laid the groundwork. We've had a great council, and uh, you know, going forward, despite you know the criticisms that we have, you know, we have heard, they have laid the ground moving forward for a lot of great things to happen here in this community. And so, you know, with that, you know, as we start looking forward, as I always tell people, you, you know, you always have to look forward tomorrow, forward to tomorrow, because it's a new day. It's a new day to do something different. It's a new day to repair relationships. It's a new day to form new relationships. But tomorrow, you know, it's not promised. We always have to, you know, look forward to it and, you know, give thanks every morning that you're able to wake up and experience that new day. Um, you know, there's a lot of issues, I think, in our life that we carry issues that you, we have no control over, mm-hmm. and, but we tend to worry about them. And so I, as I tell people, if you have no control over, don't worry about it. Once you get to that point of not worrying about it anymore, it just it lifts burdens off your shoulders. Mm-hmm. It makes you it, it gives you the opportunity to sit there and say, you know what, because I choose not to worry about things that I have no control over. I'm going to enjoy my life. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, you know, have a positive attitude. And and so this is why I always encourage people, you know, to think of think of things this way. You know, mm-hmm. uh, if, it, if, you, if you can't control it, don't worry about it. Move forward. Choose to be happy. Choose mm-hmm. to be positive because it takes energy to hate people. It takes energy to be mad all the time. It takes energy to, you know, get negativity out in that world and. Why would you want to waste energy on things like that? Exactly. We yep. need to waste energy, or not even waste, but we need to use our energy to promote positivity, to promote love, to promote, you know, this this connectiveness of human to human, tribal member to tribal member. We have to promote positive energy in lifting each other up. And I think and- that's a great slogan right there. Promote that. That should be your slogan. Do you have a slogan? I don't yet. <laughs> that, that'd be it. That all kind of ties in together with the whole, even the, the solar thing you talked about. Right. Yeah. Say that again one more time. Uh, promote positive energy to lift everyone up. Yeah. That's, there you go. That, there we go. That's great. And and I think that's the way I said it. But yeah, I mean, that, that and that's what I'm about. And that's the, it's the mentality I bring to the table. Like I said, I, um, you know, I look at what our tribal members are going going through. You know, some of them, they're, they have it harder than the others. And. I just want to be able to put in in place opportunities that are going to benefit them, you know, going forward, that their children, that our children, grandchildren aren't going to have to face the same issues that we are facing today. Uh, because when you look at it, housing has been an issue for the last, what, 30, 40 years. Yeah. And now it's the time to solve it. And I want to solve that issue within the next two to three years. Nice. And it's just through these opportunities. And so, you know, I again um you know these are things that are important to me it's what i want to get accomplished and i mean if any of the tribal members they want to have a conversation with me further please let's sit down let's have that conversation i think it's more effective to be in person than writing everything down on a letter because you can't capture emotion you can't capture you know the full extent of ideas when when you just write it out but if we can have that conversation i think that's key definitely all right guys i think that's you have anything else I no think that's that it. was great 
You hit it awesome. all. I didn't even have to ask any questions. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So say the slogan one more time. Um, what is it? Uh, promoting, promoting positive power to Promote. lift everybody up or positive I, energy, positive, yeah, positive, positive energy. energy to lift everybody up. All so right. well, awesome. But once again, thank you, Dwayne. We appreciate you being back on the show and, uh, We'll talk to y'all next time here on Ryan on the Wall Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Mescalero. As you probably know by now, you're listening to a podcast. You get a chance for some of the unique stories out there um, to be heard. And if anything, inspire our community.